Jones steps up. Ricketts is at the high point. Jones. Aromaterio has a lane. Nicholas Aromaterio, the shot. Scores! Holy jumping! The Italian stallion puts the puck in the back of the net. Mamma mia, Nicholas Aromaterio! Callum Jones for Potts. At the blue line, kept in by the skate of Thomas Maya. Maya. Down low on the half course, he swings out of the slot for Potts. Kyle Potts has it. Hangs on. Now he shoots. Scores! Holy jumping! How do you do? Kyle Potts puts the puck in the back of the net. Blocked that shot. And coming the other way is Alton McDermott. He's in on the breakaway. Scores! Holy jumping! His grandfather, Paul Henderson, must be ecstatic about that one because Alton McDermott just scored his first career Buckland Cup final playoff goal. Has been close. The Dukes are in the Oakville zone. Zone Elvis swung that around. The Blades are trying to tie this puck up. It goes into the corner. The Blades have a chance to get this out. Elvis will tie it up. Ten seconds. Gilmore has it at the point. It's in, tips, just wide, seven seconds, it's back in the corner, Ewing's rocking, three, two, one, the Oakville Blades, oh, Holy jumping, Blades win, Blades win, Blades win. The Oakville Blades are Buckland Cup champions. You're watching Mamma Mia, this is Fire Talk with Nicholas Fiore. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 19 of Mamma Mia! This is Fire Talk. And on today's episode, I have Garrett Rutledge, the video coach, assistant coach for the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. Rutsy, thanks for joining. How's it going? Yeah, pleasure. Thanks, man. Oh, you know what? I said I was going to get you on sooner or later, and we had I a relationship know. from the Blades a few years ago. So you're on, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I made the cut, didn't I? You, you made the cut. You made the cut. You should feel honored. No, <laughs> I know. I still wanted to go ahead of Tarantino, though. So I still I mean, wanted to get him. But I mean, you know, he was with me a little longer. We went to Alberta together. Sorry, man. Okay. okay. What happened? Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no hard feelings, right? Absolutely. Um, well, I do appreciate uh, you coming. And obviously, we met uh, a couple years ago back in the what sixteen season, twenty sixteen season with the Oakville Blades. Um, and obviously, we've had a great relationship since. Uh, so I do appreciate you coming on. You're in, you're in Saginaw right now, though. Um, you know, obviously, the anticipation of the OHL season, uh, you know, that's been announced that February 4th, no body checking, maybe body checking. That's a, that's a craziness in itself. But um, how is the normality right now in the States in Saginaw? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty normal, actually. Like, we still have, like, everywhere you go here, you still got to wear a mask and all that kind of stuff. You go to the gym or anything like that. But um, – pretty much life is normal kind of thing. They kind of, they still live their lives and stuff. They're not really, I guess, as strict as Ontario, but yeah, it's, it's working its way, I guess. I don't know. It's the same old. We just want to play some hockey and get going here. Yeah, we do want to, we do want to get going again. Um, and obviously, you know, you were back in Ontario um, in Waterdown, you know, during kind of the summer um, and you kept on kind of working in a way. How, how are you? Uh, how's the family? Everything good during COVID though? Yeah, everything's well. Like, you can't complain. I think the uh, I think everyone gets a little bit uh, wants me to get back at it, kind of thing. You're hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and then uh, you're used to living the lifestyle, of going to hockey, and having that as your priority, kind of thing. So it's good to uh, good to be back, actually. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you've, you've been behind the bench um, in many aspects, kind of, since 2012. And we're going to get to, you know, some of the roles and how you climbed up the ranks, sort, uh, sort of say. But with the Saginaw spirit now in the OHL, it's going to be your second straight year with Saginaw uh, after leaving Flint and going to the spirit um, as a video assistant coach. For people who don't know, um, what does that role mean? What does that role entail? So uh, basically, I was brought on board. I was coaching Flint the year before as assistant coach, and I took on a different role this or last year to uh, stay in the league and and stay uh, sharp in the hockey world. So um, basically, my role is I do all the video for the team. Um, head coach Chris Lazar is a good friend of mine. Um, if he wants a a pre scout of teams coming up, maybe three games ahead, power plays, NHL clips, basically anything he wants. I can do for him. And then during the game, I'm live clipping the game for him. Um, so in between periods, we can break it down. He can review whatever he needs to. And then we can go in the dressing room and uh, show the boys or whatever. And then I also have a headset on too for goal reviews, offside challenges, stuff like that. So anything in that nature. So yeah, it's uh, it's been good. It's been good to it's a different experience. That's for sure. Not being on the bench and stuff. So it's given me a different aspect and very, uh, I, appreciate like everything that Saginaw has done for me. So it's been, it's been great being able to do that. That's a lot of work though, man. You gotta, you gotta make sure you're on the ball up in that uh, press box there, making sure if it's a goal or not, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you do. It's sometimes it's a little bit of a delay. So it's like, they'll be messaging me already and asking me like, Hey, was that offside? Was that offside? And I'm like, ah, the puck's still just going in the zone here. So <laughs> give a second. But yeah, it's tough. So it's hard to, uh, it's actually hard to, hard to do, but you do your best you can. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's kind of probably even a high pressure job too, more than anything, because you don't really want to mess up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause you could charge your time out. Right. So, and yeah. then obviously if you're wrong, everybody's going to be riding you hard. So it's uh, one of those things. It's a, it's a no win situation, right? So whatever. Absolutely. And we have fun with it though. Ah, absolutely. And, and you, and you kind of have to, I mean, obviously it probably feels good when you get it right too. So they probably yeah, touch absolutely. your horn a little bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. And moving, you know, moving on, you know, you, you started back in 2012, 2014 with Calden, Calden Golden Hawks and uh, I did. PGHL um, as a head coach. And that was your only head coaching job, but it seemed like you kept on moving up and up and up ever since. Um, talk about, you know, the, the progression that you have done from the PGHL to the GOJHL with the Cambridge Winter Hawks from 2014 to the 6th, 2016. Then the Oakville Blades from 2016 to 2018, a scout with Flint. And then we'll touch upon uh, Flint and then the transition to Saginaw as well. Yeah, so I was basically, I just moved up to uh, the Toronto area from Sarnia, basically, where my hometown is in Petroya. Um, and yeah, I got a call from a buddy of mine that wanted to know if I wanted to coach some hockey still. And um, it's actually Ryan Barnes. He's a pretty big player agent in the hockey world. And we still stay in touch to this day. So it was good, uh, good experience for me. And then uh, from there, I got in touch with uh, a guy named Steve Hodson, and he was a coach of the Bombers at the time. And then uh, him and I formed a really good bond and kind of traveled around the junior ranks together before joining Oakville. Um, so that's kind of my story. Yeah, I just kind of just kept progressing up and, and working my way through and, and meeting some people and using my contacts. And, uh, and here I am. Steve so. Hodson, uh, now with, I believe, with uh, the uh, – Kilty Bees. The Kilty Bees now in Hamilton, the GOJHL, after yeah. being with Burlington um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Obviously, the Brampton Bomber connection, as I was there as well. It's pretty funny, though, how you kind of know me. We obviously speak 
quite a bit off the air, but um, you, you knew me as I applied with Oakville. You knew me or through my voice with Brampton because you knew a connection with Brampton. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I was just, uh, I literally, when I was in Brampton, so then we went to, I went with Steve to the Cambridge Winterhawks and coached them. And then, well, everybody can hear your voice through at the rink kind of thing. And uh, doing yeah. video stuff and downloading video and stuff, you hear kind of the commentary or like you doing your play-by-play and stuff. So that's kind of how I, I knew of you and seen you around the rinks kind of thing. So, and then once I came to Oakville, your name popped up and Jordan Salinger, he uh, asked me if I knew you and Tino and those guys. And I was like, yeah, I know him. He's passionate. So it's, it's what it is. And now here we are, right? So you got a good opportunity there. And obviously being a play-by-play guy, 16 mile ranks, one of the best in, in tier two around in the area to probably do your job from. So you absolutely. Got Pretty crazy how the hockey world works, though, eh? Yeah, it's crazy. It's all about uh, contacts and and, uh, working your way up and just doing a good job, putting your nose to the grind, right? Absolutely. And, you know, moving on from the junior ranks, you you were with Flint uh, throughout your Blades assistant coaching uh, two-year, ten-year as a scout. Obviously, you know, you made the connections. You got to know people within Flint. And then after the Blades, you made the jump for your first uh, major junior role, let's just say. Um, with the Flint Firebirds in the OHL as an assistant coach in the 18-19 season. Um, yeah. Talk about how that came to fruition with, uh, with Flint and, and your time there. So a friend of mine, Joe Birch, he kind of, uh, he got me in his scouting and stuff. So actually George Burnett hired me um, to be area scout kind of thing. And then uh, I kind of just ran with it. I got to meet the head scout, Dave McFarland, which has moved on. And he's been a great uh, mentor to me and a great guy. Um, going forward, just to bounce things off of and stuff. And uh, Joe Steffen, he's the assistant GM there, has been great too, a good friend of mine and stuff. So then I just, I worked my way up and then uh, the opportunity came um, by putting my time with the Blades. And then uh, Ryan Ulihan was the head coach at the time, which I knew kind of thing. And uh, I reached out to him. One of the coaches was moving on. Um, and he's like, sure, let's sit down and talk and let's go about it and see what we can do here. And then uh, things all worked out for me. So it was good. It was a good experience. It was uh yeah, nothing bad to say there. Absolutely. And, and the, the transition, though, from the OJHL to the OHL, as mm. a player, you know, we can discuss it as well. But as an assistant coach, for yourself personally, what, how was the transition? Because um, it's a way bigger role, a lot more eyes, a lot more to lose or riding on. How was the whole transition for you from the OJ to the O? Um, a big, the biggest transition was just like it's every day and the players up there, like there is a, to me, there is a big step from the OJ up to the OHL. Just you have legit NHL players skating by every night and then the pace of play and some of the size of the players and stuff like depth wise, they, they pretty much have four lines in the Ontario Hockey League every night going at you. So, and then just, just everything to do with hockey aside from it, from video to looking after the kids to being an assistant coach, all your duties you have. And uh, just doing the job basically full time. Absolutely, um, and that's and I, I and I realize that's the big deal. And and for the players in itself, they always say the speed of the game is different from the OJHL um, to either NCAA or the OHL. Is is the speed the only major major difference in the game and the style of play? Like even the NCAA and stuff, I think we're more a puck possession type league and and games and stuff. Um, like the speed can get up there real quick. You start getting some of the top players out there. Like I know my first year when I was there, like in Flint, we got the Delandres and Fedor Gordiev and guys that's been around the league and you play the Sioux, they had Frost and Barrett Hayton and stuff and London Knights and like every team you bring in in the Western Conference, 
has got a stud coming in or a, a yeah. few players that can certainly play and move the puck, right? And obviously some of those names go on and play in the National Hockey League, which is pretty cool when you see them early on in their OHL careers. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, you, you had to, uh, I guess, dabble and, and touch upon the OHL while, while you're with the Oakville Blades, because we were both there. Let's touch upon the Oakville Blades a little bit. Obviously, you have a lot of friends um, uh, still, you know, not still there, let's just say, other than maybe myself and Gregor. But you have, uh, you have guys that have moved on as well in Tino and Jordan and Cole and, you know, Benty. Um, but touch upon your time with the Oakville Blades. Did it kind of maybe, let's just say, springboard you or set you up for the role with Flint? Yeah, so kind of that kind of opened my eyes that I could probably do this full time and stuff. Um, being with Oakville, they're such a good organization when we were there. Like, like you got Jordan as the GM, and what's that guy's name again? The head coach. Who was he again? Oh, right, Mike Tarantino. Mike Tarantino, yeah. Um, everything's so professional and stuff, and moving players on and and going to the showcases and stuff like that, and being able to do that was huge. And then uh, obviously having success in Oakville and having those players getting all the deals and stuff kind of puts eyes on coaches too. So it's been great for coaches, players, everything in the organization. So it's uh yeah, can't thank Oakville enough. And obviously we all know Craiger. He's been there forever. So. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he's a, uh, he's a tenure there. That's for sure. <laughs> he said he outlasts all of us and he certainly has. So certainly has. So. That's the only thing he was right about, I think, <laughs> but the boys got him a championship. That's all he wanted. Right. Yeah, it's all. Hey, he he's got a couple of them with the blades. Never mind. So I know. So, there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, obviously, I'm still with Oakville, and a lot of a lot of my friends with the blades, of course, you know, moved on to Collingwood, and all the best to them. But uh, you know, it's it's it is an Oak, not because I'm there. I do believe Oakville is is a pretty classy junior A organization. I would say one of the best in in the league. And it's good to see that not just players though, staff members are moving on like yourself to the next level and uh, which, which is really good to see that the OHL also has an eye on stuff like that. And yeah. obviously they also have an eye on player development and player development is big. That's kind of in a way, Rutsi, why, why you do this, why we do this, why we all do this, right? Because we all want to move up, but the player development um, is one of the main aspects to it. How has the player development you've seen from, let's say, even from 2012, when you started coaching in general behind the bench and then so far to now, has the player development changed anyway? Oh, yeah. Like, even just everything to do with, like, I'll go back to Oakville. Like, even from the minor hockey systems, you look at, like, some of the guys that are working in their in their structure of the Oakville Rangers. You got, I think, Patrick O'Sullivan and Mason's the goalie coach and, like, Tarantino and all the guys that – have been coaching. They got a lot of pro guys that's played pro NCAA coaching their kids, moving them up. Right. So like everything to do with the training, the, the elite instructors, like elite instructors are unreal. Like you can go to 16 mile at any point and pretty much see a private lesson going on from God only knows when NHL is going to be skating there or NHL. I mean, so, and uh, coach, right. So it's, and then like workouts and gym and, and everything to do with like, a nutrition program, you name it, they got it, right? So everything's at people's fingertips now, whether your apps or your Apple watch you're wearing, like tracks your sleep and how much, how many hours you're getting, like, and like everything to do, anything on your phone nowadays, you can put in tracking your food and like your calorie intake. And so pretty much they have everything at their disposal to be unbelievable. And then you got now with all the pep and like pep, the skating through all the stick handling and edge work and everything to do, right? And the, and the new player loves to watch himself. So they have so many resources of video and 
Now they're coming out with this virtual stuff where you can put the headset on your eyes and stuff and look around the rink and, and shooting pucks, like everything to do with uh, honing your skills. So who knows if eventually it's virtual probably will be able to put on their helmet and then uh, you can probably watch the game through their helmet and their eyes and turn their head and stuff. So I could probably see that coming down the, the tubes very soon too. So now the player development though, with COVID-19, is that going to hinder the player development within the OHL? You see a few guys already going to Europe um, because of maybe no OHL season or a February 4th start date proposed, uh, which has been announced last week. But will players go to Europe? Will players find other options? Will OHL or the major junior leagues lose kids and then the draft of the NHL will be hindered as well because of this whole COVID-19 disaster? Yeah, I don't think the players are going to skip town too much to go to Europe and stuff. It's going to be tough for them, even with the American League playing and stuff, and they have player agreements and contracts, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that go into play into that that I really don't know much about, to be honest with you. But um, for the most part, player development, you kind of get creative with it. Um, like I said, I was at the rink today. I know the coaches and stuff were doing video today for some players and stuff and sending it via email and, and stuff like that that you can already get on Zoom. Like this Zoom has been amazing for – keeping in contact with players or, or a few of your teammates or you want to get a line in, you can get them all on Zoom and you can do video with them and start working. I know like in Saginaw here, like Chris Lazar is one of the most prepared coaches I've ever been around before. So he puts in the work, the skill set, and the, the players know that they need to come ready to play when the puck drops. So basically you got to get creative in your ways of thinking right now because we don't have them all on the ice and or any of them on the ice for that much. So you kind of, you got to use your video and technology nowadays. So show them and, and send them video from past last year, of clips that they need to work on and stuff like that. And, and even the NHL clips, you show them like players that they comparison to say, say I Mitchell Smith on our team is a defenseman. He plays a lot like uh, the Dunn defenseman on St. Louis, I believe. So he, uh, you send him video clips of how that character or that player plays in the NHL kind of thing. So. And it's good to see also, let's touch upon Saginaw a little bit. Um, it's good to see Saginaw having some pretty talented players. Um, example, Cole Perfetti, which I spoke to uh, on this show um, a few months ago to move on to the next level. Cole's obviously drafted 10th overall this past NHL 20, 20 entry draft by the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Winnipeg got, got a pretty good one as Cole slipped a little bit, which don't know what the teams previously were thinking about that. But anyways... Um, it's good to see Saginaw also having these players as well of, I think, one of three teams in the States um, within the OHL. Mm -hmm. How is Saginaw overall? We didn't really touch upon it too much, but, you know, Chris Lazary obviously is a great head coach. You love, you like him a lot there, um, and he's been great with you. The whole organization in Saginaw is second to none, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. Like, everything from the, from the owner, Dick Garber, to Craig Goslin, Brandon Bordeaux, all the ownership, and, and like our GM, Dave Drinkle, everybody's on the same page around there. Um, it's a very tight knit group. Um, we're all kind of, we all kind of are in the know on things. So, and then our players speak for themselves. It's starting to, the word's starting to get out to, uh, Saginaw's the place to be and it's a fun place to play. And like I said, uh, hats off to Laz for doing a great job and making everybody feel welcome and building that program up to what it is. Cause obviously the success on the ice and you can see the players having fun and then getting these players drafted. So I think even with Cole going, we have, uh, Blade Jenkins has just signed. Cole Koski's an overager that just left. He signed Bodie Wild and Suzuki and Damian Giroux. And the list just keeps going on and on. We're a pretty deep team. And it's it's fun to be around. It's fun to be on the ice. It's fun to be part of. 
Absolutely. And it's obviously fun as well to move kids to the next level, which is, like I said earlier, the number one goal type of thing, other than winning, of course, which everyone yeah, wants, which everyone wants to win. What has yeah. your been your favorite developmental story with an individual player or maybe with an individual team? Uh, maybe you didn't have any connection to, but you've heard of, or just something along those lines that you've been uh, coaching or in the managerial positions so far? Oh, just like everything to do with any time you see a player succeed in his accomplishments, whether it be with the Oakville Blades and signing their their NLI, their letter of intent to go to school, and, and you see players get drafted and they work in every day in the gym and stuff, and then they actually get that contract put in front of them and their dreams come true, basically. So it's fun to be part of, and, and you get to know the kids, especially you got to remember we see them at 16 years old, basically, and then we get them till they're 20 or so or shorter time but then they they go on to play in world juniors and stuff like that and and you keep close contact with them and stuff and and you get to see them every single day so you get to see them actually being kids and and they're bouncing ideas off you and joking around and stuff and I always have a good relationship with most of the players and stuff so they're always stopping in and shooting the breeze with me and having a good laugh with me and stuff so it's fun to be part of part of their small hockey career I guess you might say so once uh and then like I said once they move on and stuff and you get to see him succeed is, is the best part, right? Absolutely. And like, you know, two examples that have been on this show as well, like Cole Perfetti with Winnipeg now drafts the 10th overall. Riley McCourt, you had him in, with Flint. Yeah. He's in the AHL now with the Toronto Marlies. So not just like moving on to maybe schools or whatever. These guys are moving on to professional contracts as well. And that's got to be something pretty cool to be a part of. Oh, yeah. You see how much hard work they put in. Like Riley's, Riley's battled some injuries, got traded and stuff. And, and like I said, it was a tough go in Flint. It was, I was happy to see them succeed last year and have a good year and, and Riley put in the work and stuff and, and they're all good kids. Right. So you, you don't want nothing but the, the best for them and stuff. Sometimes you get up in the crowd and you start hearing people yelling and screaming and stuff. And it's just like, he's a 17 year old kid. Like you need to just relax a bit here. Like he's still he's going home at Christmas time to his mom and dad and stuff like that. So it's like, but like I said, you see, you see them, you see them live out their dream or they progress along or become men. Basically they start as boys and, and leave as men. And it's, that's the best, that's the best feeling, right? Let's hope uh, these two can actually continue to live out their dream and, and everyone continues to play um, with the return to play. And let's talk about that a little bit with the OHL, obviously the Ontario government, uh, Lisa McLeod, I believe the ministry of sport, um, yeah announced February 4th. Well, the OHL announced February 4th, a proposed, but looking forward to maybe a potential start date there um, with the OHL season, a, a eight team playoffs, a, I believe what, 40 games or like almost half the games yeah. less in the regular season. And then no body checking as we stand technically um, as of now. And I'm guessing the government is basically giving the OHL a decision. You're going to play or with no body checking, or you're not going to play. That's what I'm getting from this now. Obviously, assumptions galore, but that is my job and what I'm supposed to do. In your opinion, um, is this February 4th start date you think going to happen? Is this no body checking rule going to stand? What do you think? I think we're going to play February 4th here coming up. So, um, like I said, once we get through this, World Juniors is going to go here. Players are going to go. Um, being in the U.S. and stuff, and and like I said, I co I do coach a 07 AAA team, and we're just everyday normal. Like it's just like practice and stuff. The guys do dress outside and come inside. Um, they wear their masks on the ice. It's enforced and stuff. But 
other than that, it's pretty much uh, everyday normal, like in the hockey world around here. So with that being said, it's for the higher ups to decide kind of thing. Um, I know in Saginaw, we're under the impression, just let's get the boys back. Let's get them going, checking or not. Let's just play hockey. Let's get them going. Whether we got to play Flint 30 times, 40 times, whatever, let's just get going. Let's play some hockey. Let's, let's get everybody back and, and get going here. So I know everybody's excited. So it is what it is. Um, like I said, we'll play it by ear. It makes it doesn't suck. Yeah. But we just deal with it like everybody's done with all the COVID stuff. Right. So you just manage it and, and uh, work away. But then there's three teams in the States as well. And if the, if the border is there, now that comes into another crazy dilemma as well with, I believe, Erie Otters, Saginaw Spirit, Flint Firebirds. So yeah. are they going to have a home in Canada across the border for the season? Is that as much as you can say upon it, of course, has that come to talks or fruition, or is that literally all up in the air? Are these three teams even going to participate in the OHL? Yeah, they haven't said a whole lot to us about how things are going to play out. Basically, they probably they have told us that we're basically going to play Erie and Flint a lot of times this year. So whether all of us are going to play each other and then one of us come out, I I really don't know, Fire. So I uh, can't comment too much on that as they're working things out and getting all that straightened out. But I'm sure it'll work out for the best. Um, like I said, the league, the league's nothing but professional and, and the safety of the players and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, uh, one of those things, it's just a waiting I'm game. I'm telling you, and it is a waiting game. And then the no body checking to me as a hockey guy is just, it's absolutely flabbergasting as much as I can say, as much as you can say, of course, with uh, not crossing any lines, it's just, it just makes you wonder how you're going to go in a, in a corner and, and win a puck. How are you going to stand beside a guy? on the opposing team at a face-off circle without touching them. Um, you're going you're gonna to put social distancing in hockey on the ice. It just doesn't make too much sense. They're more covered than all these other guys in sports. Basketball, baseball, soccer, fo- football, they're pretty covered head to toe. But hockey, you're covered head to toe. I mean, even, even if you want to put the restriction of the kids wearing fishbowls, you know, just to cover their face if you really want to. I mean, it's not going to happen, but you know what I mean? It, it just makes me yeah. makes me wonder why why that's even being thought out. I get it. It's a pandemic. I kind of do believe in it. But it just makes you wonder, like, if you're going to get back to some normalcy, let the boys play with the restrictions. The NHL did a fantastic job in the bubble with zero, zero cases. So it just makes you wonder, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things I feel like if someone's got it, you're going to get it. It's kind of like – living your life normally, I guess. Um, obviously, if you have issues, you need to take precautions and be safe about it. Um, but I guess I don't, I'm not sure like 100% on the, if you're a normal, healthy person, I assume that you're going to battle through it and be okay. So um, that being said, like I said, again, you, you go back to teaching skills and stuff like that, like Laz and the coaching staff, Nightingale and Messier and all of us on the ice and stuff. We preach like stick on puck, cutting the hands, like not huge on body checks and like separating puck from body and stuff like that. Gaining body position off face offs, like all your edge work. That's where all this skill development comes into play. So hopefully, like I said, whether we have body checking or we do, or we don't, doesn't really affect how the Saginaw spirit are going to play, to be honest with you. So I said, I sit back and watch um, Laz and them guys coach and stuff. And, and like they're such fine details in the game and stuff. And, how we play and stuff, we should be uh, ready to roll. As soon as the puck's ready to go, we're Saginaw Spirits ready to go. There you go. And that's obviously fantastic yeah. to hear as well. Listen, Rutsi, um, I appreciate it very much. Uh, you know, you've got, you've helped me along the way as well. Um, oh, that's, 
no through, problem, man. Through making connections and through just being just being a good person <laughs> in general, right? So I value our well, relationship, about, right? our friendship as well. Um, best of luck with Saginaw. Hopefully, uh, the boys Thank get you. going. Uh, hopefully, the season gets going. And I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Thanks, Fire. I appreciate it, buddy. All the best. Uh, Thanks, Rotsi. And everyone, that is Garrett Rutledge, the video assistant coach for the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. Please follow Mamma Mia, this is Fire Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Instagram Lives every week, normally either a Tuesday or Thursday. And also follow Garrett Rutledge. You might as well, right? This was episode number 19 of Mamma Mia. This is Fire Talk. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. More episodes to come within the next few weeks. So please stay tuned. Stay safe, everybody. Mamma mia. Now Davis takes it and looks to come the other way. Davis is in, trying to drive, and he will look to go across. Good play to Davis, though, to get it right back to him. He goes down low to Israel's. Centering. It's there. Score! Stevie, Stevie, Stevie! Steven Whittle scores his first OJHL playoff goal for the Oakville Blades. This game is opening up in a big way for both teams. Ricketts, centering, what a pass, Israel's breakaway, the move, scores! What a goal for the Alaska Fairbanks commit, the assistant captain, Harrison Israel's, with an absolute dandy. Download Alliance, Jack Lyons, centering, scores! The double jacks combine as the, that puck popped up like a jack in a box. And it's Jack Ricketts from Jack Lyons. 6 1 on the 40th shot of the game. It's all over. Alex Smith hits it in. A chance here can develop, but the Blades will look to take it. And, is, and Ricketts finds Israel's. Breakaway Israel's. A chance backhand. Rebound. That was Mamma Mia! This is Fire Talk with Nicholas Fiore. Thank you for watching and stay tuned for the next episode.